Thank you, and welcome to this teaching from Today Evangelical Ministries. Today Evangelical Ministries is dedicated to teaching the undiluted truth of God's Word. Here is Dr. Emeka Ozrumba as he brings today's teaching. May the Lord bless you as you listen. We'll continue with our last topic, which was last week. Does anybody remember what the title was? I those what? A child of God. Was it under that? The place of people, human beings, in our life. Forget about idols in the life of this. It's one of them. But what the place of human beings. That's what we did. And we're going to continue with that and finish it this very evening. The life of a human being who is called a child of God. Born of God. The spirit of God. This person. All right? Who is now God unto others? Listen to me carefully. The individual who is now God unto others, born of the Spirit of God, baptized in Christ, buried in him, and according to Galatians 3.27, it says that those who are baptized with Christ, they have now put on Christ. They have become Christ in all things. That is the image, the transformation to the image of God that God has been telling us we need to have. But this person who says he's born of God is still operating in the flesh. Listen to me carefully, please. He's still operating in the flesh. The fleshly loss, the loss of this world, the affections of this world are still holding the person down. He still looks upon people and places them what? As idols, as people who should come first before them. And that's because of what? Lack of spiritual understanding. The spiritual understanding will give you a godly priority to set things right according to what? Their, their importance. According to their importance. That's why he tells us, seek first the kingdom. That's the most important thing. Forget about other things you are building. Look at what is most important and follow it. Now, when we seek things in our life, can anybody tell me what we seek all the time? Huh? Earthly what? Pleasures. And a lot of times we also seek, why do we seek earthly pleasures? Can anybody tell me why? Why? What is the main reason why we seek earthly pleasures? To show off. Do you know all of them is to preserve our life? And the life that does not belong to you, you seek to preserve it. Rather than going to the preserver to take care of it for you. You know, it's like a soldier who goes into the war and he worries about who's going to be able to do all the things in the barracks. That's not their job. In fact, who? Paul told James, uh, no, sorry, Paul told Timothy that and said, Look, it's just like a soldier. When you are out there, you're not really concerned about the things of this world. But we place so much things because of the advantage we're looking for. Self-aggrandizement. We're looking for a man for promotion or a woman for something to give us what we want. We look up to him and think that's where our help will come from. And you say you are born of God. You are born of the Spirit. And last week we were talking about whoever is born of the Spirit of God, according to the Scriptures, this person now has what? A spiritual heart. A spiritual mind, a spiritual body, a new spirit. And that's why Christ was saying, you see, 
the scripture was saying that anyone who does not have this spirit in him, that spirit, the mind of the spirit of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2.16, he said, we have the mind of who? We have the mind of Christ. And where is the mind of Christ? Where is the mind of Christ? Where? I asked you a question that will throw you off. Where is the mind of Christ? Where is Christ? In where? Okay. The mind of Christ is that mind that is set above where Christ is. Everything about Christ and the one who is born of God is centered on things that are spiritual. That is why he told us whoever is a friend of the word is an enemy to God. All this is a summary I'm doing because on the internet and many people, there were so many things about you need to revisit what you did last week. You need to revisit that. And that's why we ask so many questions here all throughout. But I'm going to do a very short summary, hopefully to be short. Okay, so that we can just finish the topic today. One who is born of God, where you place a human being is where God places that human being. And where does God place a human being? We read it last week. You were here last week. Where does God, the godly priority, where does God place a human being? Nobody knows? Read me Isaiah 40, please. Where did they report? Six to eight. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 to 8. Yes. The voice said, cry out. Cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. Let's stop right there. All flesh, all flesh, man and woman, you are, whoever the person may be, that your boss who thinks anything is just nothing but grass. That's why James said in what? James 4.14 says what? We are all nothing but what? Vapor. Vapor. We just come now, we go. And we pursue things that are so fleshy. Listen. So God places this. If you have time, read Isaiah 40, 18 to 31. We did it last week. You will see where God places a human being. This is a dot that will pass away and will die. You should not rely on him. That's why he warned us in Isaiah 51, 17 to, now 12 to 13, please. Isaiah 51, yes. 12 to 13. I, even I, am mm -hmm. he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of a man who will be made like grass? And you forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because mm -hmm. of the fury of the oppressor when he has prepared to destroy and where is the fury of the oppressor? Why are you mindful of a human being that you know? Today you see him, tomorrow you don't see him anymore. Why are you mindful of him and giving him the glory of the Lord? So last week we dealt with threatens. The first one that we do is fear what? We fear human beings. In the process of fearing people, then we do what? We we displease God. We are afraid of a human being that will die and we displease God because we want some promotion from that individual. We want favor from that individual. 
We want you to take him what? At a very high, oh Lord, yeah, receive me, accept me. And for that reason, we fear him. We worry about that. And then we lie unto God. We dealt with that last time. And the question that was the most important thing last week was what? If I lie unto God and displease man, who will save me? Are you, are you following what I'm talking about? If I lie unto man and displease God, who then is going to save me? And we used two examples last week. Does anybody remember? Saul was one of them. All right? King Saul says what? Read me first Samuel, please. 15 to 20, verse 24. 1 Samuel 15, 24. Yes. Then Saul said to Samuel, mm -hmm. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I feared the people. And because I feared the people, I obeyed the voice of a man or men that will die. And nothing more. That will hurt this flesh. And they do no more. The second one we have. This is summary please. Before we get into the main thing. The second one we had was what? That made the same mistake was who? Who? Kai. Kai. Who? David? Peter. Let's look at Peter. Galatians please too. 11 to 12. Galatians 2, 11 to 12. Yes. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Mm -hmm. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Fearing those who were of the circumcision. Because of that, he disobeyed God. We do that even today. Because of our boss, because of our father, because of our wife or husband, because of that person we're expecting something from, then we bend and then we displease God. And the issue comes to be, who's going to deliver us when we do that? We're going to get into it right now. The two things, there are two lessons to, for us to learn here. There are two mysteries. One was on Saul, one was on what? Peter. Peter. Can we tell me what I said about Saul last week? What was unique? What was that thing that was so, even though it was horrible what Peter did, but Peter did something that all of us should do. Peter was admonished by someone that probably would have said, who are you? You were not even among us when Christ was here. After all, you're just a baby that came out today. You know, most of us will do that. In fact, we'll fire, we'll fire who? We'll fire Paul. Paul, you are gone today. Look at this one that just came. Remember you were the one murdering everybody. All of a sudden, now you're coming to tell me what to do. Because of what? We cannot bring ourselves down to say, Lord, thank you for admonishing me. Because when somebody is actually admonishing you, that means he loves you. Remember in this very culture? I don't know if you know in this culture. You ask somebody something, sometimes they'll smile at you and say everything's okay, but it is really not really okay. You see, in my culture, if you say, how do I look? I said, you know, you don't look good. <laughs> and you won't, you won't hate me. Remember that? But here, if you say, they say, who asked you? But you asked me now. <laughs> not too long ago, you asked me. You said, who asked me? Okay? 
You see, Peter, I love that. I, know, I just want to be there. Peter was chastised by a child. Paul, the rock that was with Christ all the time. And yet he took it in faith and didn't challenge Paul. You know, there's something else that happened in the Bible. God can raise even a child, a crawling child today, to chastise you. If you don't accept it, you have not been born of him. Because that's a humility. Remember what he said in Philippians 2? That Christ took on what? The nature of a man. He humbled himself. And something happened in the Bible that is very typical. You know when God can send anything? Right? Remember Numbers. Numbers 22. There's something God did in 28. Can you read that for me? In Numbers 22, verse 28. Are you getting it or not? She's getting it. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, mm -hmm. and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? The, the, the Lord used a donkey to chastise a man. Are you following what I'm talking about? He used a donkey to chastise a man. Be ready all, all the time to be chastised because he only chastises those he loves. If he doesn't want to save you, he will not talk to you. He will just leave it from there. And you go in. But then, if we are afraid of a human being and then we offend God, who is going to again defend us? Read before Samuel, please. 25. 1 Samuel 2.25. Yes. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? I wonder, who is going to intercede for that person? That's why he told us, that you know one thing? No man can ever deliver from my hand. I am God. There's nobody who can do it. Read me Isaiah, please, 43, 10 to 13. Isaiah 43, 10 to 13. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, mm -hmm. and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, yes. nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? There is no one. I am God. Nobody can deliver from my hand. But this God can deliver from anybody's hand. There is nothing that our God cannot deliver you from if you can only learn to trust him and not man, to turn to him and fear him. How do you fear him? Proverbs 8.13 tells us that the only way to fear God is to depart from evil. If you still enjoy going to evil, you don't fear God. Fearing God is not running around and saying, oh, if I do this now, God is going to kill me. That's not fearing God. That is eye service. Nobody wants to see that. The Lord wants to see the heart of the one who fears him, and that's the one who departs from evil. I will not do it again. 
Give me Isaiah 45, 9, please. Isaiah 45, 9. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the pot shed strive with the pot sheds of the earth. Mm -hmm. Shall the clay say to him who, formed, who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? Woe to him, that's all. Who strives with maker and makes man or woman, what? His pillar. Remember there's a song, there's a song I normally hear, they say that you are the pillar that holds my what? Yeah. But then when you turn around and have a man or woman be your pillar, be sure you're going to fall. It's always going to happen. So let's leave that in summary. The next one we dealt with was what? We got ourselves so consumed in worrying every day to present things and to do things so that people will say good things about us. We worry about what people will say and what? Think about us. Rather than doing what? Concern about what God thinks? That's what I said this last time. If you want people to think good about you, go and do the good works of your father. Don't even try to present anything. Don't try to look good, but be good. Go and do the good works of your father. People will see it, and then they will glorify your father. They will not only glorify their father. I'm telling you, they will. They will change. Give me Matthew 5, 16, please. Matthew 5, 16. Yes. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let their light, let their works, the good works, shine before men. Not their good mouth or how you appear or how you look. Remember last week I was saying that even most of the time, do you know when we dress up? We dress up for people. Do you know that? Have you thought about that? And those who are born again, we still do it. We dress up to please people instead of what would be the way the Lord wants you to do? That's why he said, first, first Peter, please, 2.12. First Peter 2.12. Yes. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, mm -hmm. that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. They may talk against you. They may gather against you. But by the good works they will see they will eventually glorify God and speak good about you. Read me Titus, please. 2, 7 to 8. Titus 2, 7 to 8. Mm -hmm. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, yes. that one who is an opponent may be ashamed Having nothing evil to say of you. You see, because what actually counts is what we do. Is what we do that would bear witness that we are of God. Not what we say. Are you following me right now? It's not what we say. It is what we do that will bear that witness. So let's leave that. The third one we're going to. Everybody, anybody knows it? We live a life every day and laboring in vain to please human beings. And I told you that was what? A terminal. Does anybody remember what the term I use? 
I said it was a terminal cancer that's eating up the churches in the world. We want to preach so that the captive audience will like what we are preaching so they can give us what we want. That is contrary to the will of God. You preach that which God has sent you to do. And nothing more than that. We, we cover so many ground. And we give it as an example. Jesus Christ our Lord. Bibis, please. Matthew. Oh, let's, let's read John. John 5, please. 30 to 36. John chapter 5, verse 30 to 36. Yes. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, mm -hmm. but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Mm -hmm. Yet I do not receive testimony from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. Mm -hmm. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. The very works that I do, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Listen to me please very carefully. You, you, you may think that I'm talking about preachers and only people. No. Every one of us that is called. There is one commission given to us. Listen to me. The commission given to somebody who is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God is not to feel good. It's not for me to entertain you. Listen. I'm not to entertain you. That has nothing to do with the gospel of the kingdom of God. I'm not to really even to motivate. I'm going to come to it now. You know those motivational words? speakers and they feel good listen anyone who preaches feel good does not preach the kingdom of god you know why anybody can, can you tell me why anybody who preaches feel good is actually preaching one thing he's seeking for his own it's a psychology 101 there's only one thing the word of god and the preaching of the word of god can do is to turn a human being back to God. That is the role of anyone God has called to preach the gospel. It's the role of a prophet. If you look at Jeremiah, if they had a good prophet, he would have really been able to turn them unto God. The job of the gospel of the kingdom of God is to get people to mend their ways. Mend their ways and return to God. Because as far as God is concerned, there's one thing that's the most important thing to God. Eternal life in the kingdom. Every other thing is perishable because it will be gone. No matter however you accumulate it, I can preach to you prosperity, you can prosper. But it is all what? It's all vanity. Because after, after that, if you don't find the kingdom of God, then it is all in vain. So anybody who is preaching this is feel good, so you can feel good. It's like Giving a remedy to a drunkard. Now listen to myself. You know, the, the captive audience, everyone is there, and they are all drunk. You know, the, the drunkards, they come. Every time when a drunkard comes, you know what you, the, what you give him, if you want to please him? Give him more drink. And you go. And he thinks that his misery is gone. But the misery is not gone. 
Where is it? Say? Proverb, please. Listen. 25.35. Can you read that for us, please? Proverbs 25.35. Proverbs 23.35. They have struck me, but that I is, am not. That is somebody who has been given so much drink. Listen, every time he receives it and he goes back. Let's go ahead, yeah? They have struck me, but mm -hmm. I was not hurt. Mm -hmm. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? When shall I awake? When shall I grow up? When shall I grow up that I don't seek it anymore? To be given what? A quick fix. It's okay, let's clap and feel very good. And you go home, it's empty. Tomorrow, the same thing. Now, I'm just giving a summary about it. Tomorrow is the same thing. And I told you, whoever preaches that is actually telling you that, number one, he's seeking for himself. If you look at Jesus Christ, he said what? In John 5.30, I do not come to seek my own. You see, there's something which we call, let me, let me put it in a small letter right now. In the Lord, they said, you must operate within the course and scope of whatever employment given to you. The commission. You must operate within the course and scope. If you go beyond it, or can I call it some of you who are, who are employers? You know you call it job description. Huh? Do, do we understand that one now? Job description. I give you my job description. What is the job description of Jesus Christ that he gave us? Go you where? And to do what? Go and entertain them. Go and please them. Now, there's a question that's asked. I'm going to answer that question. If you look at that, John 5.30 said, I, came, I didn't come to seek my own. And Paul also got it right. Paul said in Galatians 1, 8 to 9. Galatians 1, 8 to 9. Yes, ma'am. But... But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Mm -hmm. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Now the second one, somebody who is preaching feel good and those who are preaching it is saying what? That he received his testimony from man. If God has called you, if God has called you, oh no, and sent you out, you will not look left or right or wonder about who is doing what. You will do that which he has directed you to do and no more than that. John 5, if you look at 34, it says what? John 5, 34. Yes. Yet, I do not receive testimony from man. That is why Christ did not, I do not receive testimony from man. I hear from him. And whatever he tells me to do, that's what I do. And no more than that. You may dislike me, but I'm going to tell you that. And whatever I will present to you, it will be spirit and it will be life. And those who are looking up for it will go. But they tell us here sometimes, they say, well, when you get there, we will tell you how to live the life you have ever wanted to live. Do I care about the life I wanted to live? If I could do the life I wanted to live, I would be in hell by now. 
What I want is what God wants me to do and to live. That's the whole thing right there. That's what is life. That's why if you look at John 10.10, 10, he says, well, I've come to give them what? Life. And life in abundance. What is that life in abundance? That's the knowledge of the truth. Because the knowledge of the truth will set you free that you can just go in and possess that which is the kingdom of God. So Paul also said it. The same thing, Galatia 1, please. 10 to 12. Galatians 1, 10 to 12. Yes. For... For do I now persuade men or God, mm -hmm. or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Yes. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. But if somebody is preaching what pleases him, what is he saying then? That it's called by who? If I'm preaching to please the audience, to please you, because a lot of times in our churches, it's a captive audience. You know what captive audience is? That is they're sitting to listen to absorb. If I preach and look at their face to please you, that means I'm thinking that there's something that you can do for me. And there's nothing you can do for me. You didn't hire me, you will not fire me. Are you, are you know what I'm talking about? If I please you, I'm saying I have a testimony from, from people. And that's not what God is talking about. And this is the question. I'm just trying to answer this question again. There's a question somebody asked. He said, okay, what would happen to someone, I don't know if, if any of you that applies to you. Ask me, what would happen to those who sit down day and night listening and accepting these teachings that are what I can call cloud without rain. Because some of the feel-good teachings have no spiritual significance whatsoever. You will not get anything spiritual about it. But what would happen to the person? What would happen to that person is what happened to the first preacher. The first preacher or first prophet, whatever happens to him, will happen to the one who is actually receiving or welcoming him. You're asking me, yeah? I've dealt with this before. Read me Jeremiah 14, 14 to 16. Jeremiah 14, 14 to 16. Yes. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. Mm -hmm. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, mm -hmm. a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy. And the people to whom they prophesy. Please listen. Yes. Shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. Now, they will have no one to bury them. They will have no one. Let's stop right there. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm trying to, you may say, oh, but this is the Old Testament. No. Remember the time that the Lord went to a temple. He went into a temple and saw people, what? The money changers, the buying and the what? The selling. Whom did he cast out? Both of them. And Peter, no, John tried to warn us about that. Read me second John, please. 
verse 9 to 11. Second John 9 to 11. Yes. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Yes. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, if anyone comes do not receive bring this. him yes. into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. In other words, whoever gives or receives, what do you call it, or accepts from a false prophet, you will get the prophet's reward. Because I'm talking about those who have known the truth like you're hearing right now, and still knowingly and intentionally turn away from it. That's the people that God said, you know one thing? I will now let illusion take over them. And I'll allow them to believe in lies. See, that's what they want to hear. I'll allow them to do that. These people doing it, they said, they have itching ears. They just want to hear, and they will hear it. Read me Second Timothy, please. Four, one to four. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Yes. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, yes. exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure it, yes. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. When we know the truth and know what is right to do, and then we turn away from it, the scripture said that we have no more excuse. Because now we are doing it deliberately, intentionally, and knowingly. Or with reckless disregard. We don't care anymore what it says. So God says, I will let illusion. They will believe in life because that's what they want to believe. Let them believe in it. Second Thessalonians, please, 2. 7 to 12. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, 7 to 12. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Yes. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, mm -hmm. whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And lying wonders, go on. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Why did these people perish? Because they did not because receive, they did not receive the, the love, love of, of the, the truth. truth. Go on. That they might be saved. Yes. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, delusion that they should believe the lies. Be, let's stop right You can read it later. That they should believe in lies. That's how God operates. You know the truth. I've given you the opportunity to know the truth you hear it. And yet you want to turn away to hear that which you want to hear. Since that's what you want to hear, you will hear it. And then when you hear it, it will bring trouble. Are you following me? And this is the last question on that topic. That was a lot of, because a lot of questions were asked last week, right? But the last question that came to me was, that, didn't Christ 
encourage us and what motivate us. Did Christ encourage us and motivate us? No, that, that's, a, that's a question that was asked to me. Did Christ encourage us and motivate us any? Absolutely. He encouraged us and motivated us to do what? To do what for us? To do what for us? To seek first. Whatever you do, seek the head first. Seek the head first. You got everything. Seek the kingdom first. There is nothing. But why did God, why did Christ tell us to seek the kingdom first? I'm going to show you where it's in the Bible right now. Where? Why? Oh, you should know it. Why? Because it's, let me tell you one thing. If we seek, listen to me, if we seek as the unbelievers seek, if we operate as the people of the world operate, operate, sorry, we are of the world. Every moment you see yourself, what differentiates you from what? From the people of the world. If I'm still the, the way, many years ago, I'm still operating the same way as I'm seeking things right now, I don't know God yet. Because when I know him, I operate differently in spirit. And I'll tell you why it is. Let me read, read Matthew, please. 6. Read 25 to 33. And pay attention to 32. You can see why. He's encouraging us to not to fear. He's encouraging us not to what? Be anxious about anything. But he said there's a way to overcome all these things. Go on. Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Yes. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. That's an encouragement. What you will eat or what you will drink. Yes. No, about, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Mm -hmm. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Mm -hmm. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Mm -hmm. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, mm -hmm. will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. These are the things that the Gentiles pursue. Listen to me carefully. The things that are more important to the Gentiles in the order of priority is the things of the flesh. I don't have time to, for us to go through it. What actually concerns a Gentile is the flesh. How to satisfy the flesh and the loss. What can I get now to eat and so on? That comes before God. Are you following what I'm saying? He said, don't be like them. Because if actually you're still working that way, you are like them. There's no difference. Because you are not yet set on... You see, when you, if you look at where he told us, you look at Romans 8.1, he said, there's no more condemnation on anyone who's in Christ that walks in the spirit. He's on the spirit lifted up. So he said, don't walk like the Gentiles do. Otherwise, you'll be like them. Remember Proverbs 26.4? 
He said that if you ask, if you if you react to a, a fool like a fool, you are a fool. There's no difference. You have to be different from them. Go ahead. Let's complete that, please. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, mm -hmm. but seek That's first it. the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. It's a Christ encouraged us. That's not that about that. Take, take no thought. Don't worry about these things. But he told us the way. The first and the foremost thing, the priority you should have at number one, is to seek the kingdom of God first. If you get it. Isn't it what we dealt with here? I said was the mystery of what? The mystery of all mysteries. Emmanuel, God is with me. If God, if you can get God... Oh, please, my! If you can get God to be with you, then what else? You have everything else. You see, if you get God to be with you, every other thing is possible to God. But without Him, every other thing is vanity. Uh, did we get that right now? Okay, I'm gonna let me go. On. The fourth one, I'm gonna deal with it right now. Okay, the fourth one we worry about is what? Always operating. And always seeking self-aggrandizement. Self-advantage. We want to be there. Look at us. Everything we do, there's a motive. Everything is do is selfish. We want to do it because we want to return. We want to be seen in a good light. And when we do that, the Spirit of God will live. Because you know why? When we actually forget about that one who promotes, you seeking for promotion? Most of us will die for promotion, looking for promotion. I used to do that before. I want to be seen, I want to, uh, everywhere I was, Zurumba, uh, Zurumba, Zurumba. But right now, I don't want you to know me. Don't talk about me. I'm not running for election. Don't vote for me. <laughs> what matters to me right now is what God has sent me to do. And nothing more than that. And you know what? In the end, that's what will count. So, advantage, when you're thinking for advantage, is God who promotes. There's a way you get riches and whatever you want to get. Anybody tell, can you tell me where it is and what it is? We're rushing right now. If you want to get ahead, if you want to get ahead in life. Now, remember one thing. The life that God is talking about is not this life you're looking at here. What counts to God is that eternity. The life, everlasting life. That's why he told us in John 17, 4. He said what? I come to give eternal life. And this is eternal life. What? That you may know him. Know your God. And then you have life. Without it, there's no life. Even Proverbs, please. 22, 4, please. Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Okay, all of us that want to be rich. You know, you know, how many, how many of us how many of us want to be rich? I don't want to just all want to be rich, right? It tells you there, if you want everlasting riches, remember one thing, where you are, where your treasure is, that's where what? Let your heart be with God first. He said, with the humility and fear of God. Our riches. Because, you see, he gives us the power 
to make those riches. Are you following what I'm talking about right now? And I want, let's give an example of people who sought an advantage. If you've been doing that and you're still doing it, please think very well. If you're doing it before and you're still doing it, whatever I want to do, I want to see that I am placed at advantage. You don't, you're not a child of God yet. Because it's God who can. And he can promote any situation and he can give you whatever you want. But there are people who did it in the Bible and they suffered the consequences. Why do you think those things were given to us as examples? Let's look at 2 Samuel, please. 1 16. What? 2 Samuel 1.16 So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you. 2 Samuel 1-16. 2 Samuel 1. 1-16. to Yes. <laughs> now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, mm -hmm. when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had, had stayed two days in Ziglag. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn mm -hmm. and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. Yes. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. Mm -hmm. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? Then the young man who told him said, As I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed... The chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me. And I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, please stand over me and kill me. For anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him mm -hmm. because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. Mm -hmm. And so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword." Then David said to the young man who told him, mm -hmm. Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head. For your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Let's stop. You see, you see when somebody is seeking for his own self-advantage, he didn't kill Saul. He didn't kill Saul at all. He, he chanced to see that Saul was dead. And the guy said, you know one thing? What I would do now, if I can even bring this crown, the man is dead. And tell David, you know one thing? That's your enemy. 
My, 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 man. I caught him. And some of you probably have, who have jobs and some of you who are employers, you face this every day. All right? When somebody comes and tells you, oh, the wonderful thing he did. You say, wow, you did that to save me? And the guy is lying. He said, I killed the man. I did it for you, you know. And if you have time, you read what? You read 2 Samuel 4, 5 to 12. You will see the two brothers. These are two brothers, okay? Their names are very funny. They are two brothers when you read them. And they went ahead and killed another, the, the, the son of Saul. And ran to David again. And said, David, you know one thing? Wow. We let the, what? The enemies of the, Lord, the, the king be avenged. We killed the man and we brought you all this. Now you can reign. David said, what? You are head. We go for it. The man lost his head. Trying to seek what? Trying to seek advantage. Now, because of the time we are running. That's another thing we do. From today, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Can I give you a new commandment? Ah, no, I see. That's what I asked them in Nigeria. One time, I said, can I give you a new command? They said, yeah, yeah. I said, that's why people deceive you. That is no human being on this. You see, he sent his only begotten son. He sent his only begotten son and he came and he giving you, that's it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And not Ozurumba. This is the only way to go. So I cannot give you a new command. But whether you like it or not, I'm going to give you one. But this commandment can be wrapped up into the first commandment. Alright? What is the first commandment? Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Ten commandments. Ten commandments. What is it? The first one. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have what? So today, I'm giving you a new, a styled one. There are still ten commandments, please. Don't get out of there. Zurumba has gone crazy. I have not. Okay? There are still ten commandments. But right now, we're going to have a new commandment. Thou shalt have no other source of help beside God. Don't ever in this life as a child of God look unto any human being that that's where your help or source will come from. I don't know if you've been following God. If you've been following God, there's something that God has done in my life that is so wonderful. Sometimes if I would make a mistake and think, maybe something will come from here. You know, it will come from another place. And sometimes when I'm, even when I'm expecting that this will come there, it will be so delayed and almost denied. But if God will answer it, it will come from a source that will even shock you. Because don't make a human being you are source. A human being surely will fail you. That's why he told us what? Cause is he. Who will ever trust on a human being? Read me Jeremiah, please, 17.5. Jeremiah 17.5. Thus says the Lord. Yes. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Whose heart departs from the Lord? Whenever you have a human being that you are thinking your source is going to come from there, that's where I'm going to get this thing from, that's what I'm going to work on. You know one thing? That person has become your master and your idol. You, are, you will do anything to make sure you, are, you look good before that person. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will leave God. And he told us why not to. He said, cause is whoever will trust on any human being. Read me nine, please. Verse nine. 
Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The mystery there we dealt with a long time ago wasn't it that the heart is desperately wicked. Yes, the heart is desperately wicked. But there's a mystery of things that is there. Who can what? Who can know it? You don't know. You're looking at somebody, you said this is a way. No, God sees the heart. That's why he tells you, what well, if you ever trust a human being, he may fail you. And if you ever trust on somebody who is unfaithful, what happens to him? Let's say Proverbs 25, please, 19. Proverbs 25, 19. Yes. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth. It is. And a foot out of joint. Have you tried to go and take out one tooth? Confident and on any human being. Because a human being will fail you. It's like a bad tooth that the dentist will have to take out. And what? A joint that is off. You don't know what it is anymore. And that is why he tells us that for a faithful person, God is looking. Because if you look at what? Isaiah 55. When you have time, 8 to 11. Everybody knows it. He said, my ways are not their own ways. Mine is higher. I see more. Than you can see. I see spiritually. I can see the heart. But you cannot see that heart. You can see somebody who flatters you. And what did I tell you last week? That if anybody flatters, he does what? Huh? What did I tell you that somebody who flatters does what? I told you that one who flatters had given somebody a bounce check. If you flatter me, you are giving me a bounce. You are, you are dressing me in a borrowed robe. What I'm not. You tell me I'm one of the greatest. I am not. But you are telling me so that, what? I can smile and say it's well. And at the back, you, 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 you can shoot me. So if you flatter me, you are giving me. Whoever flatters, it has not known God. Because you are only trying to please somebody, to make somebody happy. You're giving the person a check. When he goes to the bank, it surely must bound. Because it is not what he says it's not real. God bless you. It is not real at all. So, anyone who is trusting on any human being will deal with unfaithfulness. And unfaithfulness will fail you. That's why I said that who is actually going to find that one? Who is what? Give me Proverbs, please. 26. 26, please. Yes. Proverbs 26. Yes. Verse 1. Proverbs 20, verse 6. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. Yes. But who can find a faithful man? That's a good question. Who can find a faithful man? Let me tell you what actually happened. If you are hiring, or if you are preaching the gospel, or you are standing there on a pulpit, whatever you want to do, there's a difference between ability and faithfulness. That somebody is able. Remember what happened in 1 Samuel. If you go there, 16, chapter 16, you read verse 6 to 7. Remember when Saul went, I mean Samuel, sorry. Samuel went to Jesse's house to search for the one the Lord wants him to appoint the anoint. And when he got there, he saw this beautiful, tall, First son. He said, surely, the Lord, you see, this one is perfect. And the Lord will choose this one. And the Lord said, Samuel, are you out of your mind? 
That's why I tell you anything you want to do as a child of God, inquire from him. Whom you are dealing with, inquire. You don't know. He will answer you if you are close to him to make sure you don't go astray. Even employing people, look for someone who is faithful and loyal, not ability. Because you know one thing, even in churches, sometimes the, the pastors met with me and they wanted to find out some difficulties they have. I said, you know one thing, you made the mistake yourself. You looked and looked and said, okay, this one is uh, able. This one has a lot of money. This one is. A, then you appoint them as elders and everybody. And I'm telling you one thing. That person who is just only able, when the time of trouble comes, he will use his ability to split you. But a faithful person will be loyal because he's coming there only because of God. He's not looking into a human being. So whatever we do, let's look at one who is only faithful. Are you following what I'm saying right now? Now, we may close because of time. But I've told you enough about human beings. And hopefully, that will help us to begin to make the right choice, the right priority, setting things where it's supposed to be. Let God be the help that you're seeking for. In fact, what is the Proverbs? What? No, not Proverbs. Psalm 46 one says what? Psalm 46, 1. Yeah. God is our refuge and strength. Mm -hmm. A very present help. A very present trouble. help. How about 121? Psalm 121, 1 to 2. Psalm 121, 1 to 2. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Mm -hmm. From whence comes my help? My own help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. Who makes heaven and makes it. And one who makes heaven and it can give you more than what? The gift you have. Remember I told you, let not the gift come before what? The giver. the giver. Never let the gift ever come before the giver. Give God that what is due to him. We will end here because of time. And probably stop every popcorn distance. But the Lord Almighty God will bless you and keep you. Lord, we thank you so much for this, Lord, and I pray you, mighty Father, that you teach your children yourself, and that your spirit will go with them and abide in them. Have your way, Lord, and blessed be your holy name, now and forever, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Today Evangelical Ministries. We would love to receive your feedback and stay connected with you. So send us your comments or questions through our website on our Contact Us page, or by sending an email to info at tmonline.org. Our web address is tmonline.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. God bless you.